Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Rev. Dale Cohen. December 5th, 2021. Welcome to this week's edition of First Words. I'm Dale Cohen, Senior Pastor, and this week we're continuing our series on all the good And uh, I'm going to be talking about praying using the prayer of Zechariah or the song of Zechariah from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 79. Let me share that with you as we begin. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus, he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever wanted something so badly you prayed for it every day? Maybe for the first few weeks you prayed with all your heart. However, the longer you prayed for it without receiving the answer for which you longed, the enthusiasm of your prayers lessened. Before long, your prayers became half-hearted, lacking any sense of expectation that God would come through with what you wanted. I'm going to share a little bit about Zechariah's story that actually comes earlier in Luke chapter 1 than the passages that I just read to you. There we find that Zechariah was a priest who served in the temple. He and his wife and Elizabeth are old when we first meet them, and although they prayed for a child their entire lives, they were childless. They continued to pray, but with each passing year, the possibility of having a child grew less likely. One day, Zechariah was chosen as one of the priests to enter the sanctuary of the temple to offer incense, and it was there the angel Gabriel appeared to him. Gabriel told Zechariah that Elizabeth would give birth to a child who was to be named John and who would later become known as John the Baptist. Zechariah and Elizabeth's son would set the stage for the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now, this announcement was big news. Not only would this aging couple miraculously have a child, but their child would usher in a new era for God's people. As Paul recorded in Galatians, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. It was time. But John would have to come first, and then Jesus would come bringing salvation. Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 79 that I read for you just a moment ago is known as the Benedictus, 
which is Latin for blessing. It's also known as Zechariah's song because he's singing praise to God for the future promised in both John and Jesus' coming. I want to highlight for you what I see as four promises in Zechariah's song that signal the new way of life we can have because Jesus has come into our world. And the first is this, Jesus comes to release my fears. One of my favorite Christmas carols is Silent Night. The words project an image of a quiet, restful night. One line even says, sleep in heavenly peace. Our word sleep in the English language comes from the German word schlaf, which means loose. To sleep is to hang loose, to be untight, and to let go. To sleep is to let go of consciously managing our lives. Our best sleep occurs when we allow God to take over amid the troubles and deadlines we face. Sleep is a form of humility, for in sleeping we're saying, Okay, God's saving the world. Therefore, I don't have to. Unfortunately, we're not always willing to give up control, so our fears rob us of sleep. We wrestle with our problems, trying to figure out how we can save ourselves. So, what keeps you up at night? Is it worries about your health or finances? Is it concerns you have for your kids, your marriage, or your job? Maybe you're worried about what other people think about you. What are you concerned about that keeps you from experiencing peace in your life? Zechariah's song says this, God has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. We know that we live in an age of fear. All around us, there are warnings about this and that. Even the advertising we see on television creates a sense of dread by telling us our teeth aren't white enough or our lives are missing out because we don't have such and such. Our culture operates more on managing our fears than on not being afraid. Whenever God speaks or sends an angel with a message, the first words are always, Don't be afraid. If we were left on our own to handle our fears and solve our problems, we would have every reason to be afraid. However, because Jesus came into the world to live among us, and because he left his spirit to continue to minister to us, we can have confidence in any of our struggles that God is with us, bringing about something good out of that situation. Now, I'm not saying that I can live entirely without fear. However, In sending Jesus into the world, God says that there is nothing that we should fear. It's time to release our fears. Maybe instead of telling each other to sleep tight when we say goodnight, we need to encourage each other to sleep loose as we let go of our fears and trust that God can handle things while we sleep. The second thing that I think the Benedictus teaches us is that Jesus comes to renew my faith in a loving God. For centuries, people believed God was out to get them and punish them for every sin they ever committed. I think this is a projection that reflected more the image of the pagan gods that the Israelites observed in the religions of other cultures. This image of a vengeful God 
was reinforced with the Greco-Roman gods, too. One of the main ways our God is different from any other God is that our God is motivated by love for those he, he created rather than by the love his creation has for him. Whether or not we love him, God loves us. Zechariah demonstrates this distinction when he says, Thus God has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. What this tells me is that from the time of Abraham, God has tried to communicate his love for us, not his wrath. He wants us to desire a relationship with him, not out of fear, but out of reverence and respect for the love that he has for us. It's our recognition of his love that empowers us to order our lives in a way that pleases him. God's love for us is not conditional on our love for him. Jeremiah said this, I, God, have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I've said it before, there's nothing we can do that will ever make God love us more than he already does. However, there is also nothing we can do that will ever make God love us any less. And we can trust in that. I think the third thing that we find in Zechariah's song is that Jesus comes to bring forgiveness. When God decided it was time to send us a Savior, he first sent John the Baptist to prepare the way with the good news of repentance. Now, I know that repentance doesn't sound like good news. None of us look forward to coming clean about all the sins we've committed. But repentance for John, and God for that matter, isn't about airing our dirty laundry. It's about making room in our lives for something better. In highlighting the role of John the Baptist, Zechariah's song says this, And you, child, and this was Zechariah referring to his newborn son, John, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. John the Baptist's call to repentance isn't about beating ourselves up for all the bad things we've done. His call to repentance is a means to learn more about God's desire to save us. When we're aware of the ways we've hurt others and ourselves, and we still know that God is willing to forgive us of all those things, we gain a greater understanding of what salvation means. We can think of it this way. Repentance leads to forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to better relationships. Better relationships lead to an abundant life. And the abundant life is the point of our salvation. But this also leads to the final point that I want to share with you. And that is that Jesus comes to rebuild relationships. If we think Christianity is only about our relationship with God, then we've missed an important point. Our relationship with God is the template for all our other relationships. That's why the writer of 1 John said this, Those who say, I love God, 
and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. God came to show us that the more we love God, the more our hearts are softened for our brothers and sisters. It's a natural progression. According to Zechariah, failing to love one another is like choosing to sit in darkness just waiting to die. He said this, By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The holidays can be incredibly stressful if our relationships are not in good shape. We need each other, and if we let anything come between us, it damages our sense of well-being. Therefore, we can't let jealousies, grudges, resentments, or misunderstandings get between us. The way to peace is to shine the light of peace on one another, just as God shines His light of love on us. First Peter says this, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. There may be some relationships that you have that are challenging your sense of peace. But let me encourage you to allow God's love for you to become the love that you have for others and see what a difference that can make. Throughout Advent, we're working on some of the spiritual disciplines or means of grace to help us grow in our relationship with God. And I want to talk just for a moment about a guide for praying this Advent because prayer is one of those means of grace. Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed for a long time for a child. Little did they know that they were asking for far less than what God wanted to give them. He wanted to provide them with a chance to change the world, not just a child, not just any child, but a child who would help change the world. So as you pray this Advent, let me offer these four guidelines to help open you to all the possibilities that God has in his heart for you. Maybe these will help you to keep a sense of expectancy, a sense of anticipation for what God might do. So I want to ask you daily, ask God to help you release your fears, to renew your faith, to receive forgiveness, and to rebuild your relationships. And if you do that, if you pray for that daily, then I can't wait to hear what God is going to do in your life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of First Words. And if there's ever anything we can do for you, please reach out to us, because we would love to be there for you in whatever way is helpful. Take care and have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about our services or how to get involved, visit us at fumcflorence.org and at facebook.com slash florencefumc.